Content found on the bestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Greetings, everybody. This is David Avocado-Wolf, and I'm going to be joined today by Dr. Sarah Gottfried. We're going to have an amazing interview. She's a Harvard-educated physician, a speaker, teacher, yoga teacher, wife, mother of two daughters, and the author of a best-selling book, New York Times best-selling book, The Hormone Cure, which has kept her busy over the last year. We're going we're gonna to find out how busy that, that she's been. I've, I've been hearing rumors it's been nonstop all day and night. But we're going to find out. Um, she's a board-certified gynecologist who practices functional medicine and also co-hosts the number one rated podcast on iTunes. So she's out there with the people bridging, the, bridging everybody's health. Her show is called The Health Bridge. And she's the creator of an awesome online detox program, which is www.drsarah.com. Detox, so the D-R-S-A-R-A, Detox, D-E-T-O-X.com. Um, she's, for the last 20 years, she's been dedicated to helping women feel back at home in their bodies, and, and obviously, by doing that, helping a lot of men as well. Um, she's dynamic, very energetic, and gets right to the core of our issues regarding low energy, weight gain, sugar cravings, slow metabolism, low sex drive, and moodiness. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. How are you doing out there? Hey, Dave, it's so good to be with you. I have to say my energy goes up a few more notches anytime I'm on the line with you. <laughs> All right, right on. I, well, I've got a lot of energy right now. I just came back from a massive foray into the desert investigating some antioxidants that I'm going to be talking about at the Women's Wellness Conference coming up, which you're going to be joining us there as well. Are you excited about Women's Wellness Conference coming up? I'm so excited. I mean, you know, I'm a total geek and I've just been, you know, up to my nose in thousands of studies that I want to share with our listeners. So I'm super excited about it. Fantastic. For everybody who's joining us right now, by the way, the Women's Wellness Conference, all the details are at womenswellnessconference.com and it's going to be September 19th, 20th, 21st, 2014 at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa. California, just south of Los Angeles, and everybody's welcome to join us, and we're excited to be back in a, a venue that we know so well. We've been there many, many times, so it's going to be a real down-home feel, and we're going to have an amazing series of presentations, one of which is going to be you, Dr. Sarah. So tell us a little bit about what you're going to be focusing on. I, I think the key phrase is nutritional endocrinology. Tell our listeners about what that is. Well, nutritional endocrinology, I feel like you practice this, Dave. I mean, I've been hearing you talk about it for quite a while. You know, the short answer is that nutritional endocrinology is how you reset your hormones with the way that you eat, move, think, feel, and supplement. The longer answer is that, as we know, the mainstream approach in Western medicine when it comes to addressing hormones is to assume that there's 
no ability to restore endocrine systems. In other words, if your hormone function is lost because you're getting older or you're just crazy pants ambitious or perfectionistic, you you have to go to replacement therapy. And I, I just completely disagree with that. So I really believe that you can use your environment, especially the foods that you eat, the supplements that you take to get your hormones back in a balance. And that's kind of the key to nutritional endocrinology. Okay, fantastic. I mean, I think the hidden issue that was behind some of those things I mentioned, like low energy, weight gain, sugar cravings, slowing of metabolism, it's hormonal. I mean, that's kind of the fundamentals, right? So we've got to have our hormonal system in check and definitely keep an eye on things because of all the endocrine disruptors that are out there. Isn't that right? Definitely. You know, I I feel like the last few years has just seen this exponential change when it comes to endocrine disruptors. It's not the boring old conversation that we had, you know, kind of the doom and gloom about... DDT and bisphenol A, we're just really learning some key concepts now, especially when it comes to the actionable things that we're going to get into at Women's Wellness. You know, how do you really reduce your body burden when it comes to endocrine disruptors? So I'm really excited to talk about that. And, you know, I I think your listeners know what endocrine disruptors are, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a really interesting field of these synthetic mimics that we encounter in the environment that really cause badness for your endocrine system and and cause issues with developmental systems, reproductive systems, your brain, your immune system. So that's where I really want to focus. I think um, the endocrine disruptors are a really exciting story. Okay, and let's, let's get into a few of them. I mean, obviously, their BPA is well known. You mentioned that. What's something interesting that we don't know about with endocrine disruptors? What's something that's come up on your radar that we should be aware of that maybe we're not? Gosh, okay. Can I can I give you like a three way tie? <laughs> well, let me let me let me give you a few, and you can tell me what you want to riff on more. Okay. So, what I think is interesting, you know, when I first started learning about endocrine disruptors, I was looking at it mostly from the estrogen point of view. It's almost as if estrogen was sort of the life of the party for me when I first became an OBGYN. And now we know that many of these endocrine disruptors are far more far-reaching when it comes to your control system. And so one exciting area is just kind of this full hormonal axis, you know, what I like to call the HPATGG, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroid gonadal gut axis. So it's, you know, the, sh- the short version here is that your gut is really a primary control system for regulating these hormones and also what's in your gut, including your microbiome. So another really exciting area is what we're learning about the microbiome. You know, this collection of bacteria and other microbes and their DNA and how they are both talking to the food that you eat and the exposures that you have in your environment, and they're also impacting the cells of your body. So I think that's a super exciting area. There's even a, a subgroup within the microbiome called the astrobolome, and that is the microbes in your body that are affecting your estrogen metabolism. So I think those things are super, super cool and um can't wait to talk about more. So those are some of the key things that I'm coming up against. What do you what do you think about those? 
that was awesome. The astrobalome, I'd never heard of that. That's fantastic. And it, it, what you're saying mirrors a lot of what Donna Gates and I had spoken about in a previous interview about what's going on with the gut flora and how that's related to how we're digesting food, how it's related to the, the way we're processing endocrine disruptors that are in our food, the way that it's affecting the expression of our hormone output, whether it's estrogens or whatever, whatever the kind of hormones we're producing. That whole thing is just amazing. And I think what's happening is, is we're getting more and more we're getting closer, I think, to the, the microbiome conversation, which is, you know, most of us is not us. It's actually, we're actually bacteria that live with us <laughs> and creating a nice environment, like a garden for them to live in so that the microbiome basically protects us. You know, one thing I've just learned from my literature review is that endocrine disruptors can take a weaker stress hormone like cort- cortisone. Lead does this when you have too much lead and convert it into a stronger stress hormone like cortisol. And that's a real game changer when it comes to understanding the stress response and how, you know, with our modern lives, I think so many people are more stressed than ever before. And when we trace it back, sometimes we find that endocrine disruptors are part of the reason. Let's let's say we're listening right now and we're thinking, okay, I, you know, I've definitely been contaminated with phthalates, BPA, God, you know, DDT, every single human being on the planet is contaminated with DDT. And, you know, who knows, maybe other kinds of um, estrogen disruptors and, and endocrine disruptors. Let's say we want to do a detox. What kind of, because you're doing a whole thing on detox that's really interesting, and I want to, I want our listeners to kind of tune in on that. What, what are some of these detox protocols and strategies and tips that you're giving folks out there? Oh, I love talking about this. Okay, so I want to give some practical tips to our listeners today because I think that is really helpful. I used to think, Dave, that, that detoxification was a luxury, you know, that you, you know, maybe once a year or twice a year you would go detox at a spa. And now I see it very differently. I think it's it's really a necessity almost on a daily basis. You know, we, we have these detox systems. They tend to get overloaded. And so we want to help the body out and remove some of the obstacles so that detox can be happening the way it was intended. And I think one of the biggest detox issues is estrogen pollution. In fact, I think I've even talked to you about this before. You know, when it comes to the 700 xenoestrogens or fake estrogens in the environment that we're getting exposed to, I think both men and women are really suffering with an estrogen toxic load. So what do you do about it? Well, if we take first the estrogen toxic load, there's a couple of things that are really proven to make a difference. And the first thing is to fall in love with fiber. You know, I feel like I feel like fiber is the unsung hero here when it comes to detoxification. You need a lot of it. So we're talking for women about 35 to 45 grams of fiber every day. The average American woman gets about 12 to 14 grams per day. So that's just not cutting it. And it's part of the root cause of what I would call dysestrogenism. So having a problem with how estrogen is getting metabolized in the body. So you want to crank up the fiber. You want to do it slowly, upping about five grams per day. And, you know, I tell people get a minimum of a pound of vegetables a day. And for your tribe, Dave, I'd probably say, how about two pounds of vegetables per day? Because that's really going to be a a powerful way to get that fiber. Fantastic. Now, just to clarify on that, when we're thinking about fiber, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, it seems like it would be so obvious, but a lot of, a lot of us don't know that fiber is what is the, is the structural part of vegetables. 
It's a structural part of fruit. It's a structural part of plants. It's the fiber that is actually holding it together. It's the cellulitic fiber of the plant. So, you know, I was a kid. I grew up with like Metamucil commercials, and I thought that was fiber. <laughs> so did, let's, let's say we did eat a pound of vegetables, but we're looking to get even more fiber. What would you recommend then? Would maybe chia seed or putting chia in your smoothies? Or how can we get more fiber than just even from vegetables? Yeah, I love chia seeds. I mean, I, I can tell you, I like to drink a lot of my nutrition. I think it's a powerful way to really stabilize your blood sugar. And I love chia seeds. In fact, I, I soak about three tablespoons. My dose per day is about three tablespoons of soaked chia. How about you? Is that one of your favorite forms of fiber? Yeah, I love chia seeds. It's it's a favorite. But right now, because I'm just back from the desert picking saguaro cactus fruit, they have little black seeds in them, like a lot, like more than easily more than 50% of the fruit is those black seeds. And the natives there originally, the Tohono O'odham original peoples from that area, they used those seeds like chia. They they would soak them. They would make cakes out of them. They would make breads out of them. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last five days, and it's been cool. It's been interesting. Well, I think I think fiber is crucial, and it's it's one of those things that I think doesn't get first billing. You know, we tend to get excited about other ways of dealing with estrogen. But another tip here is to reduce exposure. I feel like your tribe is quite sophisticated. They know the basics on how to reduce exposure to xenoestrogens and other endocrine disruptors. But there's a lot of new data, especially in the past year, looking at things like the BPA-free plastics that are out there, and they are not any better, and they may actually be worse than using bisphenol A. And one of the top ways that you get exposed to BPA, bisphenol A, which disrupts your estrogen receptor, your androgen receptor, and your thyroid receptor is through receipts. So you want to be yeah, really like, careful. You can feel it too, right? I mean, when you get that receipt in your hand, it's got a weird, like, um, it's almost like a plasticky kind of coating on it. That's what you're talking about, the BPA that's on, like, like your receipt that you get at the, like, the store. Exactly. And just handling it for a few seconds is enough to get a fair amount of BPA into your system. It crosses through the skin. And here's the really creepy part. A lot of, a lot of people don't realize this part of the science. BPA doesn't get bound to proteins the way that other hormones do. And so very small doses of BPA can have harmful effects on your body. So you want to be really careful. You know, if you get asked whether you want the receipt in the bag or uh, to take it with you in your hand, put it in the bag like don't don't handle that thing or it's it's like a certain like sensory acuity that you develop because you can kind of feel on especially some receipt papers that there's some kind of film that gets on you you know where you're like whoa I don't even want like you just like the other day I went and washed my hands because I felt that on my hands um that's something that we're I think we're becoming more acutely aware of don't you think that we're we're all kind of going like you know who knows what these chemicals are and what they're doing but we've got to start you know, being a little bit more proactive in our understanding and our and our prevention of being contaminated with them. Well, I, I love that phrase of sensory acuity. I want to apply it a couple places here because I, I think that's such a, a great description of what we need to do as informed and empowered consumers. We live in a, a country where it's assumed that chemicals are innocent until proven guilty. So we've got to really, you know, take back our power and develop that sensory acuity. You know, another place where you can develop that sensory acuity is with your fat, the fat that you get in your diet. So this is one of those places where you want to have really clean sources of omega-3s. 
You want to crowd out the inflammatory omega-6s. I don't know how many people listening to us are meat eaters, but I've got a great line from Lauren Cordain, who's the author of The Paleo Diet, who said that modern meat is actually toxic fat in disguise. And I, I think it's really important to realize that for meat eaters that we get exposed to so many persistent organic pollutants, including endocrine disruptors, from the fat of animals that are raised in this country. So we want to be just really cautious and careful about that. There, yeah, and then there's a whole issue. This is also an interesting thing about the paleo diet. I thought we'd just go off on a tangent on this for a second. And that is basically the animals that we're eating, you know, if you're a meat eater, you're basically eating animals that don't move around a whole bunch, you know, as a general rule. And then if you go to wild game animals, they're real gamey and tough and they don't have a lot of fat. And so this is a thing that I just find it to be interesting that there, this is, this is a quandary because paleo people, it's like, oh no, we can eat deer and survive. And it's like, there might not be enough fat from deer to survive through the winter in New England if we didn't have technology and you could get that fat from some other source. Like the Native Americans didn't survive on deer fat. They survived on bear fat through the winter. And and that's something that's kind of lost in this whole discussion of like, oh, I've got to get ripped. I've got to have the abs. I've got to get this and whatever. And then, it, then you kind of lose this idea of like, actually, in terms of survival, you need fat. You have to have enough fat for calories for a cold weather climate. And it's important to have a layer of fat to insulate your, your nerve tissue and insulate yourself so you're protected. Is that all, is, does that kind of fit into your theory as well? Oh, I totally agree with that. I'm glad you brought in the Native Americans because I think, you know, we live in a time of plenty where we have access, such as in New England, to, you know, eating grass-fed beef and making these choices about how much meat we're eating. And and you're right. You know, I sort of think about meat as divided into a couple of categories. I think about the meat that's really anti-inflammatory, and I would put the wild game in that category. And then there's the meat that's definitely inflammatory, and that's the CAFO meat, you know, from concentrated animal feeding um, organizations. And so I think it's it's really crucial to think about the seasonality and to think about, you know, not just the um, what's in the fat of the meat that you're eating, but also some of the, you know, I'm going to get existential here again for a moment. I remember hearing you be interviewed, Dave. You gave a great interview last year about, I think you were talking about Carlos Castaneda and something about like plant energy and meeting plant energy um, in the middle. I forget exactly what the quote was, but I would say, you know, whether you're eating plants or you're eating meat, I think it's really important to to just, you know, do the work on your side to meet the best energy of the food that you're eating. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and to seek it out and, and go that extra mile. And it, to me, it's like, it's like a directive. It's like, you know, part of, I can't just settle for, you know, poor quality, whatever it is. Um, I've got to go out actually and seek out the best. And that's, it's actually, this. no matter who's listening to this right now, and in fact, our entire community, Dr. Sarah, is really actually, compared to the world, is a very, very, very small little fraction of the world. And that little fraction needs to actually be an example of seeking out the best. And when I hear you talking about oils, especially animal fat, I think about what's being put into it, what's being, what that animal fat is being fried in. And I think of the olive oil problems. Um, there's that one great book on the problems with olive oil, which is called Extra Virgin. Have you read that? I haven't. Tell me about it. 
that's a book about where they go into the scams that are going on in the worldwide olive oil market where it's like not even olive oil. The stuff that's actually being sold to restaurants all across America is a stuff that's like the throwaway product that's being swept out of the sewer beneath the olive mill. I mean, it's like, it's the most bizarre thing ever. And, and I see people, you know, like they, they're very organic. They, you know, they get the best olive oil, they get the best food, but you go into a restaurant and that olive oil that's sitting in that restaurant is like really inflammatory, really the worst ever, really poor quality, and it's a fat, right? So it's going to pick up and carry those endocrine disruptors, and that's another part of that issue as well. Is like, okay, yeah, the, the inflammatory meats, but it's being cooked in an inflammatory oil base, like an olive oil, that's really, for lack of a better word, swag. <laughs> oh, perfect use of that word. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this this is a crucial point, especially the industrial seed oils. I mean, I agree with this point you're making about olive oil. I love olive oil, but I I have to say I never cook with it. I like to use olive oil, you know, when I make a vinaigrette for a salad. I like to use it at room temperature. I don't cook with it because it's just not one of those stable oils that you want to be cooking in, especially the toxic form of olive oil that you find at restaurants. And I think restaurants are really a key place where you just don't have as much control or relationship with your food purveyors unless you're eating at some amazing, you know, farm-to-table restaurant. I think that's where we tend to become more exposed to endocrine disruptors and to toxin, toxic mimics of food. All right, toxic mimics. You brought that back out. That's a great, I love that phrase. And the toxic imposter of what the real thing should be is is something that we should all be aware of. And, and something that I think you're doing is that you're, you're giving people the awareness about, you know, all of these different endocrine disruptors, how to get our hormone system back on track. Let's talk about some of the detox programs that are out there that you actually don't recommend, things that you've discovered in your research that have kind of led you away from things that we might go, oh, that's a good detox protocol or idea. But then later, you know, upon rethinking it and looking at the research, went, you know, I don't know, that might be a pitfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The list is long because I've been a student of detoxification for a very long time, including Panchakarma and the Ayurvedic tradition. And even, you know, for a while, I tried this master cleanse idea. So maybe we could start with the master cleanse. I just, I think it's, you know, if you come across a detoxification protocol that just doesn't make sense to you, or it doesn't feel right, or your intuition just says, oh my gosh, stay away. Like you really want to listen to that. And that's the kind of hit that I had intuitively when I read about the master cleanse, you know, this idea of drinking lemonade with honey and, and cayenne and nothing else for days on end. Like it's your body, I think, needs more nutrients. And I don't think that is the best way to go. I think you also want to be cautious with some of the detox protocols that make you poop like crazy. I'm a gynecologist, so I talk about poop a fair amount. You know, the things that have harsh laxatives, I also think you need to avoid the juices that lack fiber. In fact, there was even a uh, the Nurses' Health Study just put out some really interesting work on how when you drink juices and not the whole fruit or not, you know, the using a high-powered blender where you're still getting the fiber, you're getting pure fructose. And the data is quite conclusive that that's not a good idea. So, you know, another piece that I think is important when you're looking at detox programs, this is kind of the next level, but I feel like 
You have such savvy listeners that can handle this. We all have two detox pathways in the liver, phase one and phase two. And when you live in a toxic world, what typically happens is that your phase one detox pathway is overactive and phase two is underactive or sluggish. So you want a detox protocol that's going to address that particular issue. And there's a good analogy here. I don't know. You might have an analogy for this too, Dave, but I heard this one from Dr. Holly Lucille, and I really love it. She talked about how the phase one detox pathway is kind of like in New York collecting the garbage once a week. And the phase two detox pathway is when the garbage collectors come and get it from the street. So no one's picking it up and it just keeps overflowing in the streets. And that's what we want to avoid. You want to make sure you pay attention to both of those detox pathways. I definitely like methylators like betaine, choline, um, B6, for, for phase one detoxification, folic acid, B12. Um, so those are my favorites. Yeah, I'm glad you raised this because, first of all, I remember you had a great quote about methylation. You know, basically we all, you know, you want to find the right dose of methylation. You don't want to do, you don't want to undermethylate. You also don't want to overmethylate, but most of us are undermethylating. And this also circles back to the issue of the estrogen toxic load because I really think about, you know, phase one, when you're dealing with estrogen and with this universal problem of, of being exposed to too many fake estrogens, you want to really make sure you're getting enough methylation. I like magnesium to help with methylation. I like betaine, as you mentioned, and I also think that CME can really help with um, getting the bad estrogens out. That's awesome. I think that's 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 some stuff for some folks to think about. And by the way, some of the best natural sources of like betaine, goji berry, beets, another amazing source of a great methylator is um is what's in it's a tetramethylator actually. It's what's in egg yolks. So the raw egg yolk. Um I'm a I'm a fan of you know, if somebody comes to me and said, I want to eat raw eggs, I'm a fan of eating the egg yolk raw if you want to do that, but not the albuminous part. Not the, the kind of jelly part that turns white when you cook it because that's where the, the anti-digestive factors are found. So that's another really interesting one. And then there's supplements available, of course, betaine, um, not betaine hydrochloride, which is a carrier for hydro, like a hydrochloric acid supplement. It's just actually called betaine or trimethylglycine, sometimes dimethylglycine. Yeah, I love trimethylglycine. I think that's that works really well. When I'm working with someone who's got estrogen overload, those are my go-tos. Like I really feel like trimethylglycine makes a big difference and magnesium. Interesting. That's really cool. Awesome. Okay, so for everybody who's listening right now, I'm talking to Dr. Sarah Gottfried, and she is an amazing doctor doing incredible work in the field of hormones, nutritional endocrinology. She's got a great book out called The Hormone Cure. I know she's been working very, very hard to get that book out there into the world. Her website is www.sarahgottfriedmd.com, sarahgottfriedmd.com. And she's going to be joining us at our Women's Wellness Conference, which begins September 19th. It goes right through the weekend to the 21st, womenswellnessconference.com. It's going to be at the Orange County Hilton. 
just south of Los Angeles, and we are going to have an incredible weekend there. And then if you're really interested in staying a little longer, we're going to do some longevity yoga, which I know Dr. Sarah is a big fan of, of yoga. We're going to do that on Monday. Are you going to stay with us for, for Monday, Dr. Sarah, or do you have to go back? I'm going to stay as long as possible. I've got two kids, Dave, so I'm going to do my best to stay as long as I can. <laughs> I mean, you're you're doing amazing with all that you do with your whole family and just, you know, staying on top of all the information. It's really you're an incredible inspiration and I want to thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It's always great to be on the line with you and your community. Fantastic. All right, everybody, that was Dr. Sarah Godfrey. I'm David Avocado-Wolf, and we are wishing you the best day ever. We'll see you at Women's Wellness.